stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Thanks for being here on a somewhat, I don't want to call it foggy, hazy evening, right? So we wake up every morning now and we have soot on our cars. <laughs> that, that is life in Northern California. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, here on Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane here on KFBK, and uh, we are live here every Saturday evening from 5 until 7 o'clock. So we'll be here for the next couple of hours. And during these uh, two hours, we take a look back at some of the big stories that made headlines throughout the week, look ahead at what's going to be coming up possibly, and uh, we'll play you a, a number of audio clips on relevant stories that you may or may not have seen on your local newscast or your network newscast. Uh, but we think these are stories that uh, impact all of us. Uh, these aren't throwaway stories. Uh, the time now is uh, 5.07. The phone number here, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Uh, you can hear us, obviously, at uh, 15.30 a.m. And you can also hear us online uh, at kfbk.com. We are streaming live. Uh, in the next uh, couple of hours, we're going to get to some Important stories that took place this week. This week we heard from Governor Jerry Brown about all the fires that are burning throughout California, a lot of them here in Northern California, as we well know. In fact, today he visited Redding and some, made some stops in Shasta County and had more to say up there about what has taken place. But uh, earlier in this week, he talked about the fires, and in particular he talked about uh, climate change and uh, global warming-related issues. And he neglected to talk about forest management, and that drew a lot of criticism. Uh, we're going to get into that whole topic. What is it that are causing these fires? Is it uh, the warming of the atmosphere, or is it, could it possibly be, uh, government regulations that have led to uh, this enormous amount of buildup in fuels in California forests? We'll take a look at that issue. There's a local city this past week, the city leaders said, we want to raise the sales tax one cent. Why do they want to do that? That's a big hike. And why what they're telling their voters might not be the real reason why. We'll take a look at that issue also. Paul Manafort's trial began this past week. It was not a good first week for Robert Mueller and his prosecution team. They were admonished a number of times by the judge. And President Trump called on Attorney General Jeff Sessions to bring an end to the Russia investigation in Mueller's probe says that's enough. It's tearing this country apart. And we'll hear from a prominent Republican who says that President Trump has every right to be frustrated with Jeff Sessions and what's taking place. So we'll get to those stories and more coming up in the next couple of hours. But topping this hour and topping this past week in terms of audio clips, I don't know if there is anything that is more compelling to listen to on radio than what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said to Jim Acosta this past week in the press room at the White House. And Jim Acosta works for CNN, and you may be aware of him. He attracts a lot of attention when he goes out on the road with President Trump because he is the CNN White House correspondent, so he travels with the president. And when the president goes into these Make America Great campaign stops these tours that he's now making. In fact, he just held another one today in Ohio, and he's been enormously popular. We may get to some clips from one that was held earlier this week from Tampa uh, later on in the next two hours. But Jim Acosta has come out very, very critical, let's say, and I think I'm putting that nicely, uh, of the President Trump's administration. 
And Jim Acosta was in the White House press room and said to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is the spokesperson for the President of the United States, she is the press secretary, and asked for an apology, essentially, to come out and tell all of the media that they are not the enemies. So I want to play two clips for you, and these two clips really speak for themselves. First, here's Jim Acosta with his initial question to Sarah Sanders. And I, I, I think it would be a good thing if you were to say right here uh, at this briefing that the press, the people who are gathered in this room right now, uh, doing their jobs every day, asking questions of officials like the ones you brought forward earlier, are not the enemy of the people. I, I, I think we, we deserve that. I think the president has made his position known. I also think it's would you, ironic. Would you mind telling us, I'm, I'm Sarah, trying to answer you your question. Okay, well, I, I politely waited and I even called on you despite the fact that you interrupted me while calling on your colleague. Well, I said it's ironic. Which is why I interrupted. I'm trying. But if you, if this guy's unbelievable. First of all, she calls on another reporter to ask a question and he interrupts that reporter. Then he asks the question, and she tries to start to answer the question, and he interrupts her again. He doesn't even let her answer the question. Because Acosta's not interested in the answer. And he's not interested in listening. Or reporting objectively, for that matter. It's a disgrace. The guy's a grandstander. He's not there to report a story objectively. He's there to be the story. And he wonders why he's the subject of so much criticism out there. That Americans don't see through this kind of behavior, this childish, whining behavior. I mean, I was someone who spent more than 30 years as a reporter. And when I watch that kind of behavior, I'm ashamed of what I did. To think that there are people out there that are behaving that way now. Because that does not represent what good reporters do. But he keeps it up, and he keeps making headlines. But wait now, when Sanders finally is able to answer this question, it was a doozy of an answer. Buckle up, because this one is a beauty. It's ironic, Jim, uh, that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric uh, when they frequently lower the level of conversation in this country. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the media resorts to personal attacks without any content other than to incite anger. Uh, the media has attacked me personally on a number of occasions, including your own network, said I should be harassed as a life sentence, that I should be choked. ICE officials are not welcomed in their place of worship and personal information is shared on the Internet. When I was hosted by the Correspondents Association, of which almost all of you are members of, you brought a comedian up to attack my appearance and call me a traitor to my own gender. In fact, as I know, um, I'm as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required Secret Service protection. The media continues to ratchet up the verbal assault against the president and everyone in this administration. and. Certainly we have a role to play, but the media has a role to play for the discourse in this country as well. Boom. Drop the microphone moment of the week. Right there. She absolutely schooled him. And did you hear him try to interrupt at the end again? <laughs> I mean, the nerve of this guy. What do you think of this kind of behavior? Are we going to expect more of it, or... Is this out-of-control press corps going to shape up? Are these guys like Jim Acosta 
going to get pulled out of there for their behavior. Just their behavior alone. I'm not talking about their political stance. I mean, I get that. I know who he works for. (laughs) That's pretty clear. But, you know, you can work for these organizations, have a difference of opinion with the White House, and not act like a whining little brat. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, It's 514. My name is Sam Shane, and we'll be back on the other side. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. Welcome back to Weekend Live. It's uh, 517. My name is Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us here on Weekend Live. We're here for a couple of hours every Saturday night from 5 to 7 o'clock. Glad you could join us. Uh, you can join us on the phone if you'd like, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Uh, you can hear us on 1530 AM, of course, and on kfpk.com, streaming live. So that's always an option for you as well. We're going to get into a couple of interesting uh, discussions about uh, a local city that wants to raise a sales tax by one full cent and why they may be doing it for a different reason than what they're saying. Um, also, we're going to talk a little bit about what do you th- why do you think these fires are raging like they're raging? Is it just a, a, a product of Mother Nature and a perfect storm, so to speak, colliding with winds and temperature? Does it have to do with what's either dubbed climate change or global warming? Um, or is it a situation of fuels that are in our forests and have been building for years because of policy changes? We're going to get into that whole discussion in, in just a little bit. Let's go to Dan from uh, Citrus Heights, who joins us here on a Saturday evening. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hey, doing great, Sam. Sometimes it's hard not to think of uh, whenever you're speaking because you have the same type of tone of voice as he does as Bruce Mayman. <laughs> Sometimes when you're talking, <laughs> you guys, I don't know if you've ever been told that, but boy, I no. tell you, you sound just like a dead ringer for him. When you, when Is you that right? Listen to, yeah. Oh, okay. Of, in a good way. I mean, he's a cool guy, too. Okay. But, <laughs> All right. But, but, but yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, apparent regarding the Sarah Sanders and the press uh, battle, Yeah. apparently... When you were a kid and you acted up and acted out in front of your parents in a crowd, well, for me, if I did that, my mother gave me something to cry about. Do you know what I mean? I never wanted to cry like that or act out again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's right. the problem. There hasn't been an example made of some of these spoiled brats. Well, and, and I, look, and I, I think it's incumbent. <laughs> of, look, I think that news organizations have to have managers who, who have a better understanding of what decency is. Yep. You know, That's and, right. and look, Acosta's behavior is unforgivable. Okay. So yep. that he owns that that's on him. Mm-hmm. And, and he, right. but there are people who put him in that position and they're allowing him to stand up and behave like a bad child and showing enormous disrespect for everybody else in the room. I mean, his yeah. question, according to him is the only question that matters. So he'll step on everybody else. He'll interrupt people. Brother. Um, I don't know. I, you know, the discourse between this White House and, and obviously the press corps is, I mean, it's very divisive. Um, and it's, I think it is, Dan, a reflection of what's going on throughout Washington, D.C. There was yeah. this establishment that was in place and they were very comfortable. And it was sort of a go along to get along place. 
And all of yep. a sudden, there's a whole new sheriff in town, so to speak. Yep. Unafraid to disrupt things. Unafraid to challenge. Unafraid to say, okay, you know what? Our NATO friends, they got to pay their fair share. You know, right. you know what? There are issues here that we need to start tackling head on and, not, and stop putting them off. And now right. the media has become so ingrained in the entire fabric of the city that they have been unable to objectively take themselves out of that situation and become really good, tough reporters telling both sides of the story. Yeah. And it won't be until... That, that's the thing. The person, the organization he, that he's part of that's turning him into this, they ought to be reprimanded for it and said, we're not going to tolerate it anymore. You're going to act up. If you're going to act up in our room, you're going to be escorted out. Right. Believe me, the rest of them will get the idea real quickly, I presume. Well, and, and, may, and maybe my guess is is that they actually are condoning this. They want him to behave oh. like this. This gets them, they think this gets them the kind of attention that they want. Hey, look at us. We're fighting back against this out-of-control administration. Oh. Um, it, it's going to get them the attention that they don't want, just like with every spoiled kid. Because if they don't, because uh, we can't allow this. It's to be you don't want you would never allow anyone to come into your home no. and act up and act no. act the fool, would no. you? You throw no. them out, wouldn't you? Chief? No, and look, <laughs> you know, Sam, a lot a lot of these cable news networks have been allowed to stay on the air for a long time be, with with horrible ratings, because what has been done with a lot of these. Uh, uh, DirecTV and Comcast is they package all of these programs together. So they'll throw, you know, CNN and MSNBC and Fox and ESPN, they all get packaged into one big lump, okay? And then yeah. that's that's sold to the consumer. So that's what you buy. Well, so it doesn't matter what their ratings are because the, only, yeah. the, 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 the good only. ones pull the, the, the bad ones along. And, oh, and, they're, and, and if it ever gets to an a la carte situation in, in cable, there are, there are a lot of players out there that are in deep trouble. They're done. Yeah, that's they, right. They, I mean, that, that's the one thing that, that they're going to be really having to watch for because it's going to happen. When, when people well, get eventually it will. It'll have to because, I mean, with streaming video now, the whole game is changing. Oh, yeah. Net, Netflix has changed everything. So yeah, the, the, I, the, the dynamic of TV, if you think that you've seen a big change in the last three or five years, wait for two or three yet. more. This is changing right. so fast, it's ridiculous. And who would ever thought, Sam, that you would ever have commercialist TV at one point in your life? Do you know what I mean? And if you pay it for enough money, you can yep. have. Yep. that's where it's going. You bet it is. You bet. It. Hey, money, money yep. buy. You bet money buys a whole bunch. You bet. All right, uh, Dan. Thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Calling in from uh, Citrus Heights on a Saturday evening. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the fires now, uh, because it has been such a dominant story in our news cycle for the last two weeks. You can't turn on a local newscast without getting inundated with fire coverage from Mendocino County and from Redding. and I mean, all across the board, there seem to be fires breaking out all over the place. So this past week, Governor Jerry Brown uh, held a news conference to talk a little bit about the firefighting efforts and the money that's being spent and get us caught up in the latest numbers. And I'm not going to dig deep into the weeds on all of that because Frankly, there are just, there's just too much to get into. But we all know what's taken place and the devastation that so many people are living with. The question becomes, why now? And why are they so extensive? And why are they so fierce? What is it that's taking place that has caused, not just this year either. I mean, we have seen it in recent years amped up. And when Jerry Brown went to the microphone over this past week, 
by the way, again, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. He did head to Reading today. He was in Shasta County touring some of the damages, and he was making more comments to reporters. But earlier this week, uh, while he was with some of the uh, officials in Sacramento, he held a news conference, and he, he didn't quite directly come out and say, this has been caused by global warming and climate change. However, he only talked about how circumstances within our atmosphere and our environment are causing it to be hotter and conditions are drier and we're only going to be it's only going to get worse so he referenced quite clearly uh his stance by the way on climate change and global warming is very very clear he's traveled the world talking about it and he's an enormous proponent of the whole concept of climate change and global warming uh, but he did not ever once in his news conference reference how we are managing our forests and the amount of fuel that's built up in these forests. And there's a lot to dig into and peel back here that we're going to get into. And you'll begin to see that uh, we have a lot of fuel out there, a lot of fuel that has been allowed to accumulate due to different policies from both the federal and state governments over the course of the last, oh, 15, 20 years. So before we get into that, I want to play for you one audio clip. This is Governor Brown uh, and what he referenced in the news conference earlier this week. Over a decade or so, uh, we're going to have more fire, more destructive fire, uh, more billions that will have to be spent on it. All that is the new normal that we have to face. So he says, look, this is the new normal. This is what's going to keep happening, folks. It's just going to get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And we're just going to have more and more and more fires. So the Sacramento Bee editorial board picked up on that. And they went a step further. Sacramento Bee editorial board blamed the car fire, that's the one of course in Reading, four square on man-caused buildup of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The car fire is a terrifying glimpse into California's future, they wrote. They went on to write, this is climate change, for real and in real time. We were warned that the atmospheric buildup of man-made greenhouse gas would eventually be an existential threat. The problem, however, with the Bee's editorial, this is according to a guy named Chuck DeVore, who is a former California assemblyman, who wrote an opinion piece in Forbes magazine. And you're here about to hear how he's going to debunk that entire thinking that whole theory that this is climate change, which was written by the Sacramento Bee editorial board. DeVore writes, The problem with the Bee's editorial is that making a passionate argument is no substitute for the truth. So he goes on to say, In 2005, when he was a California assemblyman, he is no longer, but he used to be, he said, I had the chance to visit Northern California, and I met with the forest product industry professionals. They grew, managed, and harvested trees on private and public lands. They told me of a worrisome trend. This was back in 2005, okay? They told me of a worrisome trend that started years earlier where both federal and state regulators were making it more and more difficult for them to do their jobs. They manage forests. As a result, timber industry employment gradually collapsed, falling in 2017 to half of what it was 20 years earlier, with imports from Canada, China, and other nations filling domestic need. 
See, we're still using lumber as much or more than we were 20 years ago, but we're just importing it. We have a, we have a lot of it here. The combustible fuel load in the forest predictably soared. No longer were forest management professionals clearing brush and thinning trees. The result was accurately forecasted by my forest management industry hosts. Larger, more destructive, devastating fires. Fires so hot they sterilize the soil. Fires that increasingly threaten lives and homes as they become hotter and more difficult to bring under control. What do you think of this? Phone numbers 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Do you think all these fires are the product of climate change and man-made global warming, carbon dioxide in the air? Or could this be policy change by federal and state regulators in which the timber industry and those who manage forests were not allowed to go in and take out timber and clean up underbrush and all of a sudden we've got these forests that are just packed with dry fuel ready to go 9169211530180834 which is it i'm sam shane we're back on the other side of the break kfbk weekend live news and analysis on news radio kfbk Welcome back. Weekend Live is the show you're listening to. Time now is 5.34. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK, 93.1 FM, 1530 AM, and on kfbk.com. Phone number here, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. And with that, we go to the phones. Renee from Citrus Heights is on the line. Hi, Renee. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Well, I'm. my blood pressure went up quite a bit <laughs> when I was listening to Brown. Yeah. Spewing all the crap. Yeah. Um, dirty word. Do you have to bleep that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think anyway. we can let that one go. That one okay. I think is okay. But be, but, no. but Renee, be careful now, okay? I will. I will <laughs> try to calm down. I've got my oxygen on. I'm okay. breathing. Okay. Anyway, I'm originally from Reading. And um, my, in fact, my family's been there since 1847. And I moved away about 40 years ago. But Several of my family members are still up there, and several or two of my uncles, when I was growing up, were part of the Forest Service. Mm-hmm. And they used to go in and um, clear out the brush, do the uh, breaks, you know, with the tractors along the roads and the whole all the fire breaks. Mm-hmm. And growing up, there was always some kind of a fire going someplace, a control burn. But hasn't that always been the case in California? Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they used to. Right. And and then also, um, this it's just not, I mean, I couldn't believe it when they said it was combustible something or other because of that car fire and because the climate change. Well, that's I mean, kind of where Brown was going with all of this. And I, then the Sacramento I, Bee I, writes an editorial saying this uh, is pure and simple climate change or global warming. And if, um, I'm I'm scratching my head reading this, saying I believe we've got like a whole bunch of fuel that's been sitting in these forests for maybe exactly. two or two decades because of because of different exactly. policies that have changed from on the on the exactly. federal and state government level. And and exactly, and it's disingenuous as a governor to get up in front of the people of your state. <sighs> 
and, yeah. and, and only present your theory when in reality that's not factually correct, which DeVore, I thought, very um, accurately pointed out in his editorial in Forbes. Uh, look, there's another side to this that we need to be considering. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, the Democrats are always doing the, you know, conspiracy or whatever theory just to scare everybody. Well, listen, if you do your, let people go out and do their jobs. Right, and clear the forest. It's healthy for all of us. Mm -hmm. We well, wouldn't have to I, worry I, I tell about you what, it. Renee, I really think that this, these fires are going to renew that discussion, and rightly so. So, uh, oh, listen, also, I, yes. The other thing was when he says this will keep happening and happening, it'll get hotter and hotter. Right. Well, because of all the crap that has gone on, there is hardly any forest left. Well, yeah, there's, on and on. yeah. You know, I mean, there's well, still a lot. Yeah, there's but quite a there's quite a bit that, yet to burn in California, Renee. Hey, exactly, listen, I, I'm 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 running up. I, I'm I got calls that are stacking up, so I need to get to these folks. I don't want to wait too long. Renee, thanks a lot for the phone call. Uh, let's go to Chris in uh, Winters. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm here north of Winters, watching the smoke column come up over there for the Mendocino complex, and yeah, it's it's bad, but. This has been going on. We've practiced fire exclusion in California since the turn of the last century. Yeah. We, we've removed fire from the natural environment. In the late 70s, early 80s, Cal Fire or Department of Forestry at that time attempted to bring fire back into the environment. But unfortunately, with control burns, everybody said, oh, yeah, that's great, but just not in my backyard. Right. Followed that by the spotted owl. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I remember right. that. Yeah. That that killed logging in California. Right. And then and then to add the and that was in the late seventies. Of course, they still find spotted owls living in the approach lights in the various airports and the in the timber. You know, mm -hmm. spotted owls are fine. Yeah. The after that, then we had the yeah the increased regulation. Yep. Which again, yep. That, followed that, by the fact that we had Proposition 13, so all of our incorporated cities started enlarging their, you know, their boundaries. Well, look, so you know, have, Chris, I think your point is there are lots of reasons why we are seeing what we're seeing now in terms of these fierce firestorms. It's not just one simple answer, like you know, it's getting hotter. I mean, that's just too simplistic. That's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, there's nothing about no. that. If you, We have records on temperatures back to 1850, started by John Sutter. Our temperatures are not anything different. Right, right. right. They're absolutely not. Right. Anybody Chris, that thinks that it's global warming exists, well, okay, I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. Thank you, Chris. We got, we're going to have to get to, we got to get our producer ready on that hot button over there. We got these people are getting all fired up out there, so to speak. So I'll forgive the pun. Uh, let's go to Melissa, who's in uh, Carmichael, on the phone for us. Hi, Melissa. How are you? What, what's uh, what's new with you tonight? Melissa, are you there, or did you leave us? Okay, she's gone. I think Sherry from Amador County might be around. Hi, Sherry. How are you? Hi, Sam. I wanted to comment on the fact that everybody is saying the policies from the federal government and the uh, agencies are to blame but they got sued by the environmentalists in the early 90s mm -hmm. and were prevented from thinning the forest. Right, right, right. It's and an environmental movement, machinery right. Machinery to thin and do any of the brush removal. Right, no, I'm. So that's I, why. Yeah, the no, I. Overgrowth I, 
of the forest has occurred. Right. And when you get a drought on top of that, you have too many trees and bushes competing for the water that we did have from the rain, right. the little bit that we had, and then they get weak and die and are susceptible more to uh, fuel on the floor of the forest, plus Correct. the bugs and the disease hit the trees, and they die from that. Too. Yeah, you know, and, and look, Sherry, I think that you're, you're, you're reflecting what the previous caller also said. The, the, the reason for these is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a whole host of things that have come together at just the right time. And just, But my whole broader point was this. You can't just come out and say, well, the temperatures are hotter. I mean, I'm watching a network newscast that's on right now here in the studio, and they're talking about the severe weather and it's hotter and how it's creating all kinds of problems all over the world. Now, you can't, and then they used as an example the fires that are burning in California. That's too simple because you've had, yeah, a, you've, had a, you've had a buildup of fuel for 20-plus years in so much of our wildland in California, right. that it's a, it's just a matchstick ready to go, uh, and it right. doesn't matter how hot it is, whether it's ninety degrees or eighty degrees or a hundred degrees. Now, if it's hotter, of course, that does play a role, uh, but it's not just the only answer. I mean, and that's why I was rather dumbfounded, not only by the news conference that I heard from Governor Brown, but then when I read the editorial from the Sacramento Bee, and I thought, well, that's just so simplistic. I, I thought that they would broaden that out and say, okay, let's take a look at all the reasons that are possible. Right. So. But they fail to understand that the environmentalists, who sincerely, I think, they believe they're saving the forest, they've actually killed and destroyed more wildlife and forest and the lives of people in suing to keep the uh, Forest Service and the BLM from thinning their own forest mm -hmm. to manage it. Yep. So it Good point, is Sherry. a combination, yep. but our weather has always changed. Yes. It's been hot and it's gone cold. <laughs> and it was way before the Industrial Revolution You're right. hit. You're right. And this uh, climate change, what they're trying to blame it on man, I think is erroneous. All right, Sherry. Completely. I appreciate they your thing. I thank you so much for your phone call from Amador County. Um, Lisa is uh, back on the line. I believe we have you now. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing quite well. You are in the car on your cell phone, right? Right. Okay. So what? how's it going, and what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, well, I'm... I'm you know what? Your cell phone is really breaking up. We're having a hard time with your uh, connection. If you want to give us a call back in any time, we're here. If you want to give us a ring... Uh, we are going to take a quick break. Time now is uh, coming up on 544. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Uh, we'll pick up more on this discussion, talk more about the local city that wants to raise the sales tax by one cent, why they're telling you one thing and it might be another thing. And have you read about the newest member on the New York Times editorial board and the racist tweets that she has sent out, and not just one, like a lot. And what is she doing on their editorial board? I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. That music is ants marching. I 
Dave Matthews. Great tune. Time now is 547. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK. 1530 AM, 93.1 FM, and on kfbk.com. Phone number 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We're going to dive into a couple of different people in this world that are making headlines for very different reasons in just a moment. A pastor who was at the White House talking with the president about what we can do to make our inner cities better. And he's an extraordinarily inspirational guy, and I just thought it would be great to hear from him, talking about how important it is for this country to unify. And on the other side, we're going to dig in deeper to the newest member of the New York Times editorial board, who has sent out in her lifetime some extraordinarily racist tweets. What is she doing on their editorial board? We'll get into that a little bit later on, but let's get to Denise. She's from Elk Grove right now, and she joins us on the line tonight. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. What are your thoughts tonight? Well, I've been been very concerned about our environment, and a lot of it has to do with the diversion of our water to the L.A. Basin. Yeah. I believe that the water we had here was keeping moisture in the air, and the trees, you know, they take in moisture, all plants, and they respirate out oxygen for us to breathe. They regulate the temperature, too. If you ever stand under a tree, you can see how much cooler it is under the tree because of its respiration. Right. Um, And then with the drought, we continue to divert the water. And I did call the government regarding it because I was a teacher, talked about the water cycle. They didn't want to listen. Right. Um, What's going on with me are a couple of things. Um, I'm trying to figure out where that money goes that they get from selling our water. And it can't be a problem like they're talking about because they're doing a lot of construction of homes. I did some research back on when um, they started this water diversion in the L.A. Basin was because the population kept, kept growing. So, Denise, so they needed more water. I understand. Uh, no, no, I understand that you're concerned about water diversion. I mean, that's that's becoming very, very clear. And the and, amount of water that we have in our air today might be a factor. It possibly could be a factor in the fires and the drought could be playing a role in the fires. But my broader point is it doesn't just get down to one simple answer. And that's where, that's where when we have a governor who leads the state, they've, they've got to come out and be more responsible and they have to be a little bit well, smarter about this. And that well, was my broader. Been, well, this is what I'm thinking. I'm pretty pissed with all of, I'm sure of most listeners listening are not liking the gas tax. No, the I don't think, you know, I think you're right about that. So here's what I'm thinking that we should do a class action suit against the government well, for not okay. maintaining our resources properly. Well, then because he... if they had maintained our resources properly, we wouldn't be having this pollution where you can't even go out and walk because it's bad to breathe in the right. air anymore. I'm... And we're being so overcharged in water. Well, Denise, I, heard, I think that's a good... Was... Listen, I think that that's something that you should head up because you, you my friend, have the passion for heading up a, a, a class action lawsuit against our government. The other thing you can do, Denise, is... <clears throat> excuse me. Just uh, vote the people out of office who are making decisions that you don't like. And that's the beauty of democracy. You don't need to file a lawsuit and muck it up in the court system. You just can vote them out or at least work for the people who will get them out. Uh, John from Sacramento calls in. Hi, John. How are you? How are you this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. What are your thoughts about this? Well, you know, I just actually flew into Sacramento airport and I, I had a good chance looking at the fires, but I'm I'm kind of along with you in that I think it's um, I think there's multiple reasons for it. It's not just cut and dry. Mm-hmm. I do 
tend to believe um, in climate change, although when I'm thinking of climate change, I think of much more subtle climate change. Right. Like well, now, degree, so, degree. so, John, here's my question. Because the climate has been, you know, changing uh, throughout the history of, well, as far back as we, we know. Um, do you believe in sure. man-made climate change? Or do you think that that's, that you think that this is just something that naturally occurs? Well, you know, I think when you look at any any time you've got, um, I don't know, millions and millions of cars producing CO two, there's going to be a side effect. I agree um, with you, and I look. I, I, there's no question. Emissions are not good. That just mucks up the air. We got that figured yeah. out. Does that have the power to change global climates? Yeah, I mean, I, I think on our, our scale now, we're seeing changes half a, half a degree. I mean, we still have summer in California. We're still going to have fires. Um, right. It's still going to be hot, and right. there's still going to be snow in the winter. But um, I think it's definitely changing. I think those little changes are going to make a, a big difference, mm-hmm. um, even just something real subtle right. that we wouldn't necessarily well, notice. Yeah, no, and I, look, I, I don't know to what degree the temperatures are factoring into to these fires as compared to 10, 15, 20, 50 years ago. I have no idea if climate change is playing a role or not playing a role. I don't pretend to be that smart. I do read up on this, and I know there are people who are proponents of it. There are critics of climate change who say this is being way overblown. Uh, but I, my, my whole big point here is that there are a lot of reasons for these fires. And yeah. we, you can't Field management. Is right. One of and I, if I flip on the evening news and then I see this big banner that comes across the screen saying severe weather, and then the, the, I, they're showing me flames from Northern California. Well, it's more than that. It's not yeah. just that. And so when, you know, these kind of stories are spread around and we have a governor who comes out and just fails to even mention the fact that for 20 years we've had underbrush growing up in forests throughout California with these things are just powder kegs ready to go off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, everyone's got to pick a side these days. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right, John. You know. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for bringing up the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. A very good phone call. Um, time now is uh, 5.53, and I don't know if you have seen this story, but it popped up this week. Uh, New York Times' newest editorial hire has a history of racist tweets. This is remarkable. They announced on Wednesday that they had hired a woman named Sarah Zhang to join their editorial board, and shortly after Zhang's hire, Twitter users unearthed a whole bunch of old tweets from her in which she expressed an extreme distaste for white people. I'm just going to give you a couple of the things that she wrote. And it's just, it's disgusting. Uh, Dumb, I can't use the word on the air, effing white people marking up the internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants. That's what she tweeted in 2014, Sarah Jung. Another tweet. Oh, man, it's kind of sick how much joy I get from being cruel to old white men. Sarah Jung is Asian, by the way. Another tweet. Are white people genetically predisposed to burn faster in the sun, thus logically being only fit to live underground like groveling goblins? Another tweet. White people have stopped breeding. You'll all go extinct soon. 
This was my plan all along. She's on the editorial board of the New York Times. And she's still there. And that I'm just reading you just a few of the... She goes after police like you can't believe. Okay? That's one side of the story that was that we heard t- this week. Here's another side. And I want to play a quick bite before we go to the break. This is Pastor Van Moody. He attended a meeting at the White House with President Trump to discuss rebuilding our inner cities and prison reform. And he was criticized by the left for attending that meeting. Here's his first soundbite. There are things that have happened in this administration that I disagree with, but I do believe as a, as a person of faith and just as an American, that once we establish that, okay, you may agree on some things, we may disagree on others, we've got to learn how to come together, particularly to work on behalf of other people. There are too many disenfranchised and marginalized people in our country, especially in our prison population, that have no voice. Pastor Van Moody, who was at the White House, an African-American man who met with President Trump, talk about, talking about how we can rebuild our inner cities and prison reform. Talking about the need, the deep need in this country to move forward, to work together. Yes, we can disagree. And there's no question, he said, Pastor Moody said, I disagree with this White House on a lot of things. But there are things that we can work together on that are going to make this better for people who need a voice. So we hear from that guy. And then we also hear from Sarah Jung, who works for the New York Times, with these racist anti-white tweets. And she remains on the board of the New York Times. On the very same week that a member of the CNN crew, Jim Acosta, stands up and says, you need to help us, you need to apologize to the media. And... They wonder why 70% of Americans in recent polling say they don't trust the media, they don't particularly like the media. And they wonder why. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. What do you think of those two people that we just talked about, Pastor Van Moody and Sarah Young? How about that for polar opposites? More from Van Moody on the other side. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK. 916-921-1530 is the number. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, 6.06. My name is Sam Shane. We are live in the KFBK studio. This is Weekend Live. Every Saturday evening from 5 to 7 p.m. We look back at the day's big story or the week's big stories. And we give you some insight and some audio clips that maybe you didn't hear anywhere else that are relevant and important in our lives, we believe. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. You can also be listening in on kfbk.com because we are streaming on live. We played a short audio clip from Pastor Van Moody on the other side of the break, and we're going to get to his second clip in just a moment. Um, he was one of the African-American pastors who met with President Trump at the White House to talk about how we can fix America's inner cities, how we can rebuild them, and prison reform. And he said it was a very good meeting, and a number of the pastors who were in that room, African-American pastors, were criticized by those on the far left for even attending the meeting. Uh, so before we play the next clip from uh, Pastor Moody, let's get to the phones right now. Dave from Sacramento joins us on the phone, and you like what you've heard from this guy so far, I understand. That's correct, Sam. Um, I think um, the 
if we're ever going to have any hope of healing this uh, racial strife, which, by the way, um, I'm a middle-aged guy, and I've never seen things as bad as they are lately in the last couple of years. It's just regrettable. And I just think this gentleman, the pastor, is on the right track. And I think that I can't believe this editorialist. I just cannot believe that. I, I don't know. You know, can you imagine if it was something, you know, that a white woman had written? Right. I think you'd be fired on the spot. And no, then, and that's what the critics are saying here, Dan, is that there's a double standard at Dave, the New York I'm Times. Sorry, Dave, Dave, anyway. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah. My, I apologize, Dave. No, oh, but my, my point is, though, is that that's what the critics are saying, that there's a double standard at the New York Times because she is an Asian woman that – if it were a white man saying such racist remarks about Asian women, that they wouldn't be on the editorial board. Exactly. They would not. And I'll just say, and I don't know how much time you got, but I, I used to think that this liberal uh, media bias, left-wing uh, media stuff was uh, put out by right-wing cranks, and <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe not. You know, I'm really, really starting to really think, yeah. yeah. I just, I, you look, take, I st I've stepped back and taken a look at it in the last, few years or so i mean in the 90s i used to drink the kool-aid you know of the of the media um but uh no more well, i mean i am seeing a bias i'm sorry i spent uh, 30 plus years as a tv news uh anchor and reporter and i have never seen more regrettable behavior by the media than i am seeing today it, it's it, getting bad it's despicable it really yeah. is yeah thank you yeah yeah it is like, yeah it's too bad it really I is. Just think that, I think that only words of healing from gentlemen like the pastor yeah. are gonna are gonna help. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'll be the first to say. I'm, unfortunately, our president does put his foot in his mouth. Yes, he does. But I, I, he does, and I. Uh, but I think I've never since long before he was uh, in politics. Even I've never really gotten the vibe that he was really a racist. I just don't get see it. Well, I. I, don't I see it. Yeah, I don't know. I. I, I look. The, the guy says things that just, you know, you look at him and go, okay, no, what's the upside to even starting that? I mean, I, you know, I, he goes some, he goes to some places where I just, I wonder if he really needs to go. Uh, yeah. But also with that, you, you, you know exactly what you're getting with him. And he, That's true. and he's not afraid to have very straight talk and blunt talk on some very serious and important issues like NATO like immigration, like how much we are kicking in for the United Nations, um, some issues that previous leaders have been reluctant or afraid to get into for a variety of reasons, and he's going there, and he said he would. So exactly, you exactly. Get, you get yeah. both. You get both sides with this guy. Okay, Dave. Thanks a lot, and that was a nice transition because you you said you liked what you heard from Pastor Van Moody. So I think that's a good good idea for us then to play the uh, the next audio clip. He he again. African-American pastor at a meeting uh, this week with President Trump at the White House, how to rebuild the inner cities of America, how to reform prisons. And in this clip, you hear Van Moody say that we have to work together and we've got to stop hurling insults at each other. Yeah, I think it is a very sad commentary on where we are and how our cultural climate has descended to a very, very petty and low place. And I'm very concerned about that. And once again, I understand that people are hurt. I understand that people are angry, but we've got to do something with that. It is not enough for us to back away from the table and point the finger and hurl insults. We have got to come up with solutions because their lives and families 
that are in the balance. We cannot sacrifice people in need on the altar of our egos and our political ideologies. And so we've got to move beyond it. And isn't it more productive if both sides, all sides, sit down at the table and say, what do we got to do to fix this? Everybody knows that America's inner cities are in horrible shape. The schools are ridiculously bad. There are not enough job opportunities. We all know the problems that are taking place there. So why not sit down with everybody at the White House? People who live there and have been preaching there and have been living that life and know that life. And they can sit down and share with the administration, hey, this is what we need. Let's work through this. How can we as a community build up together? Doesn't mean you throw money at the problem. That's not what anybody is suggesting is the answer. Because we have found out from past experiences that simply throwing money at it will is not the answer. But it is useful. Van Moody and others who are in that room say to get together and start working on it together. Dale joins us now on the line from North Highlands. Hi, Dale. How are you? Oh, hi. How are you, sir? Not too bad. What are your thoughts tonight? Well, I went to the Dinesh D'Souza movie. Yeah, and, how uh, is that? It was it was the best movie I've seen all year. So I hear either you like it or you don't like it. So I'm guessing that uh, you're leaning in more of a conservative bend. Yeah, I, oh, most definitely. I love President Trump. Yeah? I, I, I just love the way that he gives it to the left, he gives it to the media, he doesn't take any any anything from anybody and i uh, i'm 62 and uh, i i enjoy his um the way that he runs his office it's so, just the left has never experienced anything like this no before. the, the uh, dale the the, <laughs> the country has never experienced anything like this before um no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious i'm curious though on the on the dinesh d'souza movie were there a lot of people in the theater, and what was the reaction? Yes, there there were a lot of people there. Okay. I went out to the one in Natomas, and I liked it so much I went again today uh, because there were some things that I that that I didn't catch the first time. And I can guarantee you this: that movie would never ever be shown in any public school because that movie shows exactly what fascism and the Nazis and the left and the liberals. And the socialists, they're all the same. And people think, well, the Nazis are on the right. Yeah. No. Well, I, 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 well, I read a little bit about the movie, and I understand that D'Souza tries to make those links and those connections between all of those groups. So, um, I well, don't know. Do you, do you remember the 70s? Because yep. I do. Yep. And, and I, I uh, stupidly, of course, I was only 19 and 20, and uh, I went to a liberal school, but um, uh, but back in the 70s, we had a problem with with the left talking about global cooling. The whole world was going to freeze. So do over. you know that in the, fr the front page of Time magazine, the front cover in 1974 talked about how the Ice Age was impending? I'm not yeah. making that up. So the smartest scientists in the world said in 1974, uh, there's an Ice Age coming. And now here we are 40, 50 plus years later, and uh, not only is there not going to be ice, but it's all melting and... The rivers are going to oceans are going to I don't believe it. I, I don't no, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Dale, listen, thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. It's uh, 6.15. We're up against a break. So we're going to take that. Uh, on the other side, the city of Sacramento, the leaders want to raise the sales tax by one cent. Why is that and why it may not be why they're saying it is. 
I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. Phone number 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live News and Analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. 618. You'll wake up tomorrow morning and you'll walk out to the driveway or wherever your car is parked. What do you suppose is going to be on the roof of that car? Nice white dust. Been happening for like two weeks now, every time I go out to the car. Uh, thanks for joining us. My name is Sam Shane, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live on KFBK, 1530 AM, 93.1 FM, and on KFBK.com. More on why Sacramento City leaders say they want to raise the sales tax a full cent. And they would be record makers if that passes. In a moment, but let's go to the phones right now. Gene. Joins us on the line right now, and Gene is... Are you with us, Gene? Gene is not there, I believe. We are looking for Gene. Oh, there he is. He just popped up now. Hi, Gene. How are you? Hi there. Well, I'm I'm hacking and coughing in the smoke around Williams. I'm driving down from Reading, which was bad enough, but it was the strangest thing as I was driving along and looking ahead, and it was like there was a big dust storm ahead of me. I mean, everybody's coming through with headlights on, and it's, I guess, the smoke from... The Clear Lake Fire, it's really nuts. Well, it's uh, Mendocino, it's Redding. I mean, we've had an, a number of fires that are burning all over the place, and it's been like this for like a week or so, it seems, Gene. Oh, it is. But anyway, back to your topic when I called in about global warming and so forth. Right. And I agree with you. I remember way back when they were saying, oh, no, we're all going to freeze. Right. <laughs> um, so I bought a lot of cashmere sweaters, but anyhow. <laughs> I love but cashmere. I do, That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, I do, too. It just doesn't get cold enough anymore to wear it. Yeah. But I was listening, as I was driving up to Reading yesterday, I was listening to Tom Sullivan, and he had <laughs> some very knowledgeable, I think it was a meteorologist, but it was some sort of a scientist. And he said that the reason that it's getting warm is because of the sun flares a while ago. Oh, is that right? And... And that heats up the ocean because that's the biggest thing around. Mm-hmm. And then that causes everything else to heat well, up. Well, then that would mean, Gene, that it is a naturally causing. It's a naturally caused event. It is not something that exactly. would be man-made. Exactly. Okay. All right. Interesting. Well, I the, 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 there are many, many theories out there, and I'm glad that you shared the one that you heard on Sullivan's show. That's awesome. You listen to that. That's great. So thanks a lot. Be safe out there on the road on I five right now. Gene calling in. So the Sacramento City leaders voted this week. Sacramento City Council did so on Tuesday to place a dramatic measure on the November ballot. They are asking the voters of Sacramento to approve a one-cent sales tax. It would be a half-cent hike over what it is now. The half-cent is actually a temporary hike that's going away, and they're replacing it with a full-cent sales tax hike. They say the money is going to go for basic services like police, and a program of community and economic rebuilding and building. It's called Measure U, and get this, it's going to sit next to Proposition 6 on the ballot. Proposition 6, the highly contested measure that will repeal the state's gas tax, that 12 cent a gallon gas tax that was rammed down our throat, and it took all of about 10 seconds to get enough signatures to get that on the ballot in November. And the polling for it is pretty decisive, by the way. So if, mo- if voters pass Measure U in the city of Sacramento, 
the city's sales tax in Sacramento would go to 8.75% in April. That would make Sacramento the highest locally taxed city in the region with Ialton. So Ialton and Sacramento would be at 8.75. Now, the mayor of Sacramento, Daryl Steinberg, has said that there are several private polls over their last two years that suggest voters will be willing to pay for a 1% tax hike. I wonder about that, but I mean, maybe people do like paying higher taxes. I don't know. <laughs> the current temporary measure, now, now these, these are numbers that are really important. There, the current me, the current temporary sales tax, where it stands right now, raises about $50 million a year with that half percent hike, okay? Now, follow me on this because these numbers are important. So the new one would about double that. So they would go from raising $50 million to $100 million a year with this new sales tax. Now, as you can imagine, opponents, critics are going to fight this, tax watch groups and so on. Now, getting back to the $50 million and $100 million. They say they're going to pay for things like libraries and police and economic building with this extra money. Are they? How about they're paying for pensions? The city estimates that their pension payment, which stands at $67 million right now, in five years is going to be $129 million. Almost doubling. Not quite. So, back to the sales tax number. They're raising $50 million now with a half-cent sales tax hike that's going away, and they're going to raise $100 million if they get their full-cent sales tax. And it just so happens that they're going to need a lot more money, from $67 million this year to $129 million to pay for their pensions in five years. Folks, I've said it here many times, and I'll continue to say it again. When they tell you that they're raising your taxes to fix your roads and build libraries and pay for police and all the wonderful things that they say they're going to do with that money, I firmly believe they are raising that money to pay this enormous, impending, looming pension problem. With that, we go to Rick in Orangevale, who joins us here on the line tonight. Hi, Rick. How are things with you? Yeah, pretty good. By the way, Shane, I, I agree with what you just said 100%. In fact, Jerry has turned that crazy train into a uh, slush fund where people don't realize the cost overruns weren't due to bidding mistakes. It, it's it's a way for him to throw uh, have an excuse to spend money. Well, it's and, uh, know, they, I'll, 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 Rick, once, I'm not, not that I'm suggesting that he it, we should absolve him from any responsibilities. This pension problem was built by a whole bunch of people dating back decades. And, and the lawmakers... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I agree. We have an unfunded liability in, in the state of California is estimated on the low side of $500 billion, and on the high side, it's north of a trillion dollars. They, they don't have the money to pay it. That's correct. I'm not arguing with you on that. But what I'm saying is they're not transparent on what they're doing. No, they're not. And, they, and they're lying, like you said, that they're doing all these wonderful things. What they're doing is they're, they're trying to lie to us to get more money to do what they, they are afraid to tell the truth. Right. And it's they, time uh, for them to have to tell the truth. Rick, absolutely. And everybody who, who has half a brain can see this. I mean, they've got to be transparent. They're not fooling anybody. They, they made promises they can't keep. 
Well, and then they let too many people double and triple dip, too. That's another oh, problem. Oh, don't get me going on that. I cannot tell you when I was a reporter how many stories I did on that and the enormous sums of money they were taking from taxpayers. Hundreds well, of thousands of dollars a year, some people. Well, and the fact that certain types of employees can get wonderful pensions while other people who work even harder can't even get one that supports them. Well, that's so, true, and and we have to be careful here because there are many state employees who, who live and work in this entire region who have worked hard for the state of California and have been told this is the pension that you get, and it's one of the reasons why they took the job. And, well, and, 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 and they are in danger of maybe not getting what they were promised as well on the backside. I'm not talking about those who abuse the system. I'm just talking about the average person who went to work for the state of California and the people of California and did their job. Right. Right, that's true. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much. Hey, Rick, thanks a lot for the phone call, calling in from uh, Orangevale tonight. We do appreciate it. Uh, time now is uh, 627. We're going to move on now to a meeting that the uh, president had, President Trump, at the White House with the publisher of the New York Times. Now, this is before this whole thing with Sarah Young blew up, and we talked a little bit about her and her anti-white tweets. She's now on the editorial board of the New York Times. President Trump has been critical not just of the New York Times, but of other newspapers for the coverage that they've been giving him. So he ripped into what he called haters in the dying newspaper industry this week. He and the publisher of the New York Times met. And then the New York Times publisher, who apparently met with the president on the condition and the understanding that it was going to be a private meeting and they weren't going to talk publicly about it, then went out and criticized Trump's rhetoric as, quote, not just divisive, but increasingly dangerous. This is the publisher of the New York Times saying this about the president. So then there's this uh, Twitter storm that takes off. And Trump posted a whole bunch of tweets a few hours after he met with publisher A.G. Salzberger, who took over the paper from his dad. It detailed a July 20 meeting between himself and Trump. So they met in, in, in July, late July, but it all started to come out just within the past week that they had met and they began to criticize each other about the meeting. At a very interesting meeting at the White House with A.G. Salzberger, publisher of the New York Times, spent much of the time talking about the vast amounts of fake news being put out by the media and how the fake news has morphed into a phrase, enemy of the people. Sad, wrote Trump. Well, a congressman from the state of California named Daryl Issa spoke out about that this week and about how President Trump is being treated by the media and how he is actually sidestepping a lot of these critics and ignoring a lot of the critics and moving on to substantive issues and is working on wonderful things for the country and is able to sort of push that aside. So we're going to hear from Daryl Issa on the other side and more of your phone calls. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We're right back. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Okay, we will uh, hear from Daryl Issa in just a moment. Uh, President Trump's meeting with the publisher of the New York Times and fake news 
and the storm, the controversy that arose this week. It's, it's every week, my friends. It's every week. 6.35 is the time right now here on KFBK. Phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. But quickly, we go to the phones in Steve in Sacramento. Hi, Steve. How are you this evening? I wanted to say that you're absolutely right, sir, about the uh, pensions that uh, California must cover and pay. But it's not just the pensions. It's the massive welfare system. And then the people that are here uh, legally, uh, Latinos, uh, I especially feel sorry for the African-Americans who could be assisted a little more, who could be taken advantage so, of a little more, but it's all going to the illegal aliens, so, the illegal alien programs right. and uh, sanctuary cities. So, Steve, I understand uh, what you're saying, but you know you have to make a distinction here that a lot of the social spending that is done in this country is not necessarily done on the local level. It's done on the federal level. So that you have, there is a, you need to distinguish between these different levels. Now, when the state of or when the city of Sacramento wants to raise the sales tax by one cent, uh, that money is not going to necessarily the social programs that you're talking about. Uh, they did say that it would go for police and libraries and so on. My point is this: at every single level of government, no matter what level you're talking about, increasingly their budgets will now have to go to paying the pensions that they promise that they cannot afford. And if they don't pay into those pensions, then the people who are supposed to receive that money are at risk of not getting their retirement. That's the road we're headed down. Whether it's at a local uh, level, sir, or at a state level, uh, it looks that we are surely headed the way of Michigan and Detroit, Michigan, where uh, uh, when uh, uh, they ran out of other people's money to spend. Yes, they did. Uh, and when they ran out of other people's money to spend, uh, the, they went bankrupt, mm-hmm. and local and government services were little to non-existent. The police force quit. Right, right. No, I know, I know the story in Detroit, Steve. I got it. I mean, I, I know yes, what sir. you're saying. I, I hear exactly yes, what you're saying. And I just to add to that, Chicago, Illinois is not in much better shape, my friends. So, Steve, thanks a lot for the phone call, Illinois. By the way, they've got a huge pension problem. Huge. Okay, let's uh, let's get back to uh, what we were talking about just before the break. President Trump meeting with the publisher of the New York Times at the White House. Says the talks and tweets about fake news, this is the publisher, are divisive and dangerous. Trump hit back. He had a new round of tweets afterwards, after the publisher tweeted that and said 90% of the coverage that he receives ignores his accomplishments across the board in America. And in fact, there have been studies done by institutions, none other than Harvard did a poll, did a study, which indicated 90% of the coverage on President Trump and his administration has been negative in the media. So here's Daryl Issa, Republican congressman from California. He is quite clearly a Trump supporter. And he says he agrees with Trump that the accomplishments that Trump has made are being ignored. We take for granted that President Trump was going to make America great again financially. He was going to be somebody who came in with the answers to make America competitive, to make our exports grow, our imports shrink, and our industry come back. So uh, the fact that he's done it, uh, to a certain extent, is appreciated by his base, discounted by the other side. What do you think of that? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. How do you think Trump handled this 
meeting with uh, Salzberger, the publisher of the New York Times, the very same paper, by the way, that just hired Sarah Young for their editorial board after she has released, I'm not kidding, dozens of racial tweets, anti-white tweets, anti-police tweets over the course of the last five, six years, and they hire her. And then when they're confronted with these tweets, they leave her on the board. Okay, picking up with Daryl now. he says that he believes that President Trump has been very good at sidestepping these many distractions, all the noise. We talk about this on this show from time to time. It seems every week there's a new piece of noise that somehow just surfaces out of nowhere. And we hear about it for about a week, and then that goes away, and then they rotate something else in that has nothing to do with the topic at hand in the country. And that Trump has been able to return to the important issues that have been facing this country time and again. This president keeps getting back to the important things of making our economy work again, making the world safer again, making our military strong and able to keep us out of war. These are the issues that no matter how many times people try to distract the president, he does return to and his cabinet returns to. Do you agree with that? Do you think he does a good job? He doesn't get too distracted or does he cause the distractions himself? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. There's a recent example today, the last couple of days. He tweets out about LeBron James. LeBron James does an interview with Don Lemon from CNN. Says he wouldn't meet with the president. Please, the president is using sports to divide the country. And then, lo and behold, President Trump tweets out something about LeBron James. I was not very smart. He was being interviewed by a guy who's not very smart. I mean, does he step in it by himself? I mean, does he create this on his own? Does he need to even go there? I mean, he's the president of the United States. Why does he care what LeBron James thinks? He's a basketball player. So, I don't know how you feel about that. 916-921-1530, Barack Obama this past week came out. He was in relative political hiding. He endorsed an array of Democratic candidates for the midterm elections. The former president released a list of 81 candidates on Twitter. He did this on Wednesday from elections in large scale like governor, smaller races like state Senate races. So a total of 81 candidates received an endorsement from Donald Trump. Among those who did not get an endorsement, New York's rising star, the socialist, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She, by the way, has been touring California, and I read this morning that she's been bypassing some of the big-name donors in Hollywood and has instead been going to homeless shelters. Very interesting how she is playing out in that party. They are struggling to figure out what direction they're going to go. Do they go more to the left, more to the fringe, more to socialism, or do they try to capture that middle? as we are under 100 days now to the midterm elections, and it's going to be close in the House of Representatives. The polling indicates that these that the House of Representatives could be a toss-up right now in terms of who takes over control. Barack Obama, by the way, is expected to make a number of public appearances, many, many more as we get closer to November. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to roll Obama out. And President Trump is going to be rolled out as well. And we saw it today. There was another Make America Great 
campaign stop in Ohio. There was one earlier in Tampa. We're going to expect more and more of him on the campaign trail. This is going to be a fierce fight for the House of Representatives come November. But Ocasio-Cortez apparently is not one of the favorites of Barack Obama. And it sounds as though maybe there are people within the, the core of the Democratic Party who are having some real issues with her. She has done some interviews over the last two weeks, and she has performed very poorly. She did an interview with a very friendly Trevor Noah on The Daily Show, where there was one softball after another tossed up. But he did ask her, how do you plan to pay for these things? You know, she has called for government-run health care for everyone. She has called for free college for everyone. And the question is, how? How do you pay for it? And she came up with this disjointed answer and somehow came up with a formula whereby, and she said this was endorsed by a Nobel Prize-winning economist who wrote it down on the back of an envelope, that they could generate $2 trillion over the course of 10 years to pay for free health care and free college for everyone in America. I mean, you talk about a lack of understanding of basic financial issues. So then there was a study that came out this week also that said, uh, guess what? Medicare for everyone over a 10-year period will cost us $32 trillion. <laughs> So much for the $10 trillion, or $2 trillion over 10 years paying for it when it's going to go up $32 trillion. Uh, We're going to get to more on that on the other side of the break, and we'll get to more of your phone calls on the other side of the break. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. It's uh, 644. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Senator Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan would increase government health care spending by $32.6 trillion over 10 years, according to a study by the Mercatus Center at George Mason University in Virginia. How about that? Senator Sanders, Bernie Sanders, and he explained in a recent interview with ABC why he supports this plan free health care for everyone in the United States. The idea of a Medicare for all, the idea that the United States of America should join every other major country on earth in guaranteeing health care to every man, woman, and child, this is not a radical idea. It's not, really. Not a radical idea to give free health care to everybody. That'll cost $32 trillion over 10 years in a country where we have a deficit of 20 plus trillion already that we haven't paid back that's our debt right now that's our debt load right now i don't even want to get into unfunded liabilities and all that kind of different stuff that takes that number way north okay president donald trump this past week called on attorney general jeff sessions to end robert mueller's russia probe immediately Quote, Attorney General Jeff Sessions should stop this rigged witch hunt right now, the president tweets. Bob Mueller is totally conflicted, and his 17 angry Democrats that are doing his dirty work are a disgrace to the USA. 
That was a tweet from President Trump this week as Robert Mueller began with his prosecutors, the Manafort trial. That began this week as well. Mueller and his team, his prosecutors, were admonished, I think, at least three times in the courtroom by the judge. It was a very rocky start for Mueller. We'll see how that goes. And among those who commented on it this past week was Newt Gingrich. After the president called on Attorney General Jeff Sessions to end the Russia investigation, which he called a witch hunt, and the Manafort trial got underway, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, a Republican, of course, in an interview with Fox, said that President Trump has every right to be frustrated with Jeff Sessions. Look, I think the president has every right to be deeply, deeply frustrated at the failure of his attorney general to exercise leadership. Uh, I also note that in the Wall Street Journal this morning, you had a former special agent of the FBI wrote a devastating piece where he suggests pretty directly that Brennan, who was the head of the CIA and is a, is a radical leftist who voted for the Communist Party back in the 70s, uh, Brennan may have actually used the CIA to help set up the FBI to start the whole investigation uh, based on a series of things which we now know increasingly are false. Brennan and the CIA set up the FBI to start the investigation. There are so many questions about this. It's just I've never seen anything quite like it in my life. What do you think? You think President Trump has a right to call on Jeff Sessions? to stop this investigation, and that there are many reasons for President Trump to be frustrated. 916-921-1530. Gingrich says he believes the basis for the Mueller investigation is highly questionable. So imagine you're the president. You're looking out here and you're saying, let me get this straight. The FBI lied to the FISA court judge. The CIA may have deliberately set up the FBI. And I got an attorney general who doesn't have uh, the, the toughness needed to start cleaning out the snake pit? Justification in your mind? Cleaning out the snake pit? Is it time to get that done? Or is President Donald Trump up against an establishment and it doesn't matter? They got it in for him. And he's going to fight that fight for as long as he's in Washington, D.C. He's stuck. Gingrich says he believes that there is a good chance that Mueller will lose the Manafort case. And by the way, notice what the trial's about. They're not going after Manafort for collusion with Russia. Mm -hmm. They're going after Manafort on things like taxes. This is exactly what independent counsels do. They can't solve the case they were hired for, so they invent a case. And I'll tell you, if Manafort wins this, and there's a good chance he will, I think Mueller is going to look like a fool. Wow. If Manafort wins this. Now, from a, from a statistical standpoint, you should just be aware that in cases like this that have been brought by the federal government in the past, 95% of the time the federal government wins. But they're going to have a little difficult time here with the burden of proof. Because the judge has told Mueller in court this past week, you have to prove that Manafort knew he consciously made mistakes not mistakes, consciously altered his tax returns. And he did so knowingly. And that makes the burden of proof a little bit more difficult. Who knows? Who knows how this turns out? 
But there are people who are questioning whether Mueller is going to win this, and that there's an enormous amount of pressure on Mueller to win this. That the pressure is not on Manafort, even though he stands to lose a lot. But Newt Gingrich weighing in on a whole host of issues to this past week on the frustration within the White House and with this president and this administration with the investigation that still has not produced anything. But some allegations that float around there in space and then circle back and no charges, nothing. No criminal charges, nothing. Not yet. We've been at this for how long? 12, 18 months? Tesla. Not a good week for Tesla. Electric car maker Tesla burned through $739 million in cash last quarter, paving the way to a company record $717 million in net loss. However, and we've heard this before from Tesla, the company reiterated a promise from CEO Elon Musk to post net profits in the third and fourth quarters. Tesla's shares rose 5% on after-hours news. How about that? When is Tesla going to start making money and stop spending taxpayer money? Uh, Let's go to Michael. We're going to try to get this in quickly before the end of the program. Michael from Colfax. Hi, Michael. How are you? Just fine, Sam. I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. I really, truly do. I really enjoy your show. Um, I was a registered Democrat for over 36 years, and I could no longer have my name associated with the profanity and the vulgarity oh. and the evil that is the Democrat Party. I look at. I, I will tell you this, Michael. Uh, you know, when when somebody like Robert De Niro goes out on a, on an award show and drops the f bomb on on television, on network television, in prime time. That that's just uh-huh. that's just despicable, and and he does more yeah. to turn people off with that behavior than he does to include them and bring them into the party. Well, I now refer to it as the socialist Democrat Party, and that's what they're trying. I'm sorry, I, I I called too late to really get into anything, but I think you're doing a great job. I think that the socialist Democrat Party is trying to turn this into the socialist state of California. Um, I have a lot more to say, but I know you're getting close to the end. So, anyway, well, I tell you what, Michael, uh, we'll, I'll be back here next Saturday from 5 to 7. If you're around, you want to give us a call, we can expand on that a little bit. That would be so groovy, man. Okay. That's what all you, that's what all you kids are saying nowadays. I know, <laughs> groovy, right? We're going back. It's retro. I love that. Right on. All right. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it very much calling in from Colfax. Uh, we are going to wrap it up here. I want to thank you for uh, joining us here on uh, KFBK for Weekend Live. We're back here next Saturday. From 5 until 7, we do it every Saturday night. Take a look at the big stories of the week previously and uh, get into depth on some issues that we think are really important that you you care about. Uh, My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll talk with you later.